This is a news roundy podcast and you're listening to NL Playoffs. Hello and welcome to yet another round of NL Playoffs. My name is Gautam. I have with me my co-host Aniket. Aniket say hi. Hello world. Aniket round 11. Uh you know what? Last time when we when we met on the podcast, we talked about how we were already through 10 episodes and I mentioned in passing that we have the same number of episodes as Anil Kumble did on that Delhi test <laughs> and lo and behold 3 days or 4 days later uh, Ajaz Patel <laughs> gets 10 wickets in innings just like that just so randomly out of the blue so uh, maybe we are, we have something going on for us like i said i hold my stand who's counting right yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> we are at episode 11 and who's counting it i'm pretty sure Ajaz Patel's not counting his wickets either no just kidding but Yeah. He 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 was definitely counting that day I think. At least once he got to wicket number 8, he was like okay, this is this probably going to happen. It is kind of surreal to watch because usually these things don't happen often obviously, but just looking at how bizarre the whole situation was because here was a normal left-arm orthodox spinner, uh first innings of a test match, the pitch was not turning square. It, it, he just bowled really well. but you need a lot of things going for you to get 10 wickets in an innings so he had the rub of the green he had really good skill he executed pretty well and he also had other bowlers not doing as well or other bowlers being unlucky because nobody else got any wickets so i had a question so if you remember when kumble uh, did this uh, 10 wicket haul you could see like the shrinath was like deliberately bowling wides and stuff right so yeah. he I, he actually had the backing of the team how was it i didn't watch this so how was it in this case like uh, No I don't think they were deliberately going out of the way to uh, to I don't know to tank or something to so that the jazz could get the, uh, the whole 10 because the, bo- both of the ends were operating with spin so it was quite clear that they were really not going for uh, bowling wides or bowling full tosses or just faking it you know which I think makes this record even little better I mean it's a terrific story as well Jazz Patel originally born in Mumbai Uh, went to New Zealand to play sport there he's an, obviously a New Zealand citizen comes back to Mumbai and gets 10 wickets in his town of or city of birth kind of a great story it ties it all together yeah it's a good comeback if you may for sure uh, but anike we really have bunch of exciting topics to to cover i don't think none more so bigger than the formula 1 season they just completed i deliberately did not talk to you about this race at all because i just wanted to talk to you about this on the episode to be as fresh as possible quite quite the drama but we'll we'll cover that at the lag end of the episode because that's the main topic that we're going to cover today we'll probably cover the whole race at length uh, but we do have a lot of headlines to go through because it's been a jam packed on the field and off the field uh, uh, sports headlines that's been going around right so uh just to add today is uh the 18th of december and it's uh 9:18 i believe indian time so uh that's our time and date of recording and just to summarize the headlines for this week so let's do go uh briefly snippets instead of going into the details let's just uh you know pull out snippets of the headlines so let's start with nba gotham something that's really close to your heart So Steph Curry breaks an all-time three-pointer shooting record. Here's Curry for the record. It's good. And there it is. Stephen Curry, the all-time three-point king in the NBA. He has 2,977 three-points made. and he's now had 789 games. Just to give some context to the uh, to the listeners, uh, the previous highest three point scorer in the NBA in the history of NBA was a guy called Ray Allen you might know him from the Miami Heat days and before he played for the Boston, Boston Celtic yeah right exactly so to uh, to lay some context he had 200, 2973 three pointers that was the that was the previous highest point he had those many three pointers in 1300 games 1300 games in total Now Steph Curry shattered the record in 789 games. So he shattered the record by playing 511 games fewer. That just gives you an idea of how good a shooter he is. 
uh, that just gives you an idea of how much the game has changed now just because of one guy which is Stephen Curry he's kind of changed the way offenses have played in the NBA forever i think because now you see everybody shooting threes everybody shooting from way back uh, where it's not just beyond the arc but you see the range expanding you see centers now staying staying behind the arc and trying to shoot threes if you can't shoot threes as a center you're seen as a bit of a liability so he's kind of completely changed how offenses are played and with that how defenses are played in the NBA Yeah, it's it's super interesting you say that because I remember watching Ray Allen like uh, you said from Boston Celtics. So it used to be Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, and Ray Allen would do these three pointer pops. I would I would call them. He would pop from the three pointer, like especially from the zero and one eighty degree angles. Like he would, that would be his comfort zone. Like you put the ball to him there, and he would just like swish it from there. So it's super interesting though you say it because. this record has actually been shattered because ray allen also had such a long career and when you think about it uh, i think curry still has a lot uh, a long way to go so i'm pretty sure this record's going to uh, increase only i i would venture to say that uh, he would not be caught anytime soon either he has still what 5 years left maybe easily uh, so he's going to I don't know how many three pointers he's going to score, but as he gets older, he's going to shoot more and dribble less, obviously, and run less. But yeah, that 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 record is, I think, here to stay. It's it's kind of unbelievable. He's one of my favorite players to watch. Uh, if if you can, uh, if any of our viewers can go watch Steph Curry live, that's something to behold. Even his warm ups are awesome. For sure, uh, I'll add it on my list as well. Uh, to watch list live, to watch live. Uh, but yeah, so as you said. Uh, Steph Curry is the king of shooting from downtown right like the NBA commentators say it is like he shoots from downtown so yeah so that's the NBA side of news uh let's get to cricket uh india's sport uh, hopefully this changes soon we diversify into many more sports but till then let's uh, uh follow up what happened on cricket gotham uh, you shared a very interesting article with me over this uh, past two days uh, and i w- i would let you take the lead in this and talk about the whole indian captaincy situation that's going on uh, with virat kohli rohit sharma and saurav ganguly it's uh, it's a triangle there and uh, i don't know if you if you include uh, the secretary jaysha then it's a uh, uh, four four people problem but uh, i'll let you take it from here the off the field bcci stuff keeps uh, growing day by day i think the especially these days you remember how in the last two or three episodes we spoke about how the whole hiring rahul dravid as a coach was kind of how rahul dravid was forced into taking the job so to lay some context about the whole captaincy situation india is going on a tour of two to south africa i think the team is in south africa right now uh, before this tour and after the t20 world cup ended virat kohli came out and said he issued a statement and said look i'm st- i want to step down from t20 captaincy just t20 captaincy and nothing else i want to step down from t20 captaincy uh, i think rohit sharma is an able leader uh, and it was more or less understood that kohli would step down as t20 captain rohit sharma would take over but kohli would remain the captain of the the one day one day side as well as the test side right so uh, it was later revealed uh, when the team was about to be selected that day uh the the news came out that rohit sharma would be the captain of not just the t20 side but also the odi side so uh the rationale behind that was that uh both uh, it would be good to have rohit sharma lead in the limited overs format and then have uh, virat kohli lead the side in the tests and then you know random leaks happened and saro ganguly i think came out and said hey we said we asked uh, Virat Kohli to not step down as T20 captain he said he wanted to he wanted Virat to stay as T20 captain so that is that was that okay fair enough we thought Virat Kohli was uh, probably not interested in being the T20 captain anymore now Kohli had a press conference i think yeah, you meant ahead. ODI captain right sorry for interjecting yeah ODI captain as well as test captain Virat it was understood that yep. he would stay on as ODI as well as the test captain now uh on the day of uh the selection of the squad for for south africa uh apparently it was informed to virat kohli one and a half hours before the selection meeting that he would not be the odi captain anymore i was contacted uh one and a half hours before the selection meeting on the 8th for the test series and there was no prior communication with me at all since i announced the t20 captaincy decision 
up till the 8th of December, where, as I said, I got a call one and a half hours before the selection meeting and um, the chief selector discussed with me the test team um, to which we both agreed. And uh, before ending the call, I was told that the five selectors have decided that I will not be the ODI captain, to which I replied, okay, fine. And then he was also asked about Saurav Ganguly's comment that he was asked not to step down as T20 captain and that Saurav Ganguly wanted him, to which he categorically denied it and said nobody approached me that uh, that I uh, that I should continue on as a T20 captain. Uh, in fact, when when he informed the board that he would not be the T20 captain anymore, uh, it was received quite well. So he he was received quite well, and it was they were very accommodating in that front. Like all things, Aniket, even even the whole the coach hiring saga and this saga, this seems so unprofessional. We discussed this last time as well. This seems very unprofessional on the part of the BCCI, who is which is such a big organization with so many resources behind them. I don't know what their PR is doing. I don't know what their communications department is doing. I don't know who, who is making the decisions. Nobody knows. No press releases, no statements now. They can't even say anything now because it's too late. So the whole thing seems to be uh, very, very unprofessional in nature. Well, uh, it only begs further questions, at least in my head, right? Like, First question is, Gangli, uh, why did he even have to come and make that statement that he made about, oh, you know, we wanted actually uh, Kohli to continue, but he didn't want to. I mean, uh, the one thing that I appreciate about Kohli is he's a, whatever you you may like him, hate him, he's a straight shooter. He's like yeah. to the point and I, I loved his press conference. It was uh, just uh, sweet to the point, uh, just like a good leader should be very transparent and forthcoming. And also, as we discussed earlier, this Rahul Dravid's uh, hiring situation. The whole thing seems to be a big, big, giant communication mess. Obviously, BCCI was never good for PR anyway. They were, I think they feel like they're too big to do anything. And they're, I don't know if anybody holds them accountable or not. Uh, you know how BCCI works. You know how they think they're too big for school. Uh, so we'll see what happens in the future. But it is quite possibly the biggest gambit, as Siddharth Monga called it in on ESPN Cricket Info, to take on the board. Which leaves, as you said... Rahul Rahul Dravid, the coach, in a very precarious situation. I mean, at at this level of sport, it coaching is man management anyway. How you handle egos, how you handle personalities, how you handle conflict, more than how you handle the technical aspects of a player. So, it'll be very interesting to see how he treads, uh, how Rahul Dravid treads these waters in the future. I'm actually very curious to see that, uh, given he's such a I don't know. I don't write one mellow character. I, I've never seen Rahul Rabbit embroiled in any kind of... Uh, he's more of a touch-me-not, at least in my head. Like, you know, stay away, I'll do my thing kind of thing. So it'll be very interesting to come out and see what he, what his stand is as the Indian uh, national team's coach. Because I think it's an important position to be in. And uh, it, it's, it has a lot of responsibilities on his shoulders. So it'll be good to know uh, what he has to say in the coming months or years. Whenever we find out. Yeah, one thing for sure, as you said, is uh, the team camaraderie, I think, will be good. I don't think there's any friction among the players or, or among the team itself. So that is there. But there's the there's definitely now a friction between uh, the Indian test captain and the board, so which is always, always very tricky to traverse. So things get ugly. Uh, I know typically people within the BCCI, stuff like this happens. They always leak stuff, which is very, very dangerous, and things get, you know, Twitter these days and everything is a Twitter storm and these strategically placed leaks uh, will be, you know, so uh, will be definitely happening. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but definitely a thing that uh, Virat Kohli would uh, be looking, obviously, he's not been in great form uh, these days. Uh, so he, if he's not amongst the ranks in South Africa, the, that pressure is only going to build on him because there is this added uh, fact of getting... Uh, being on a collision course with the board. No, I, I believe that these kind of situations bring the best out of him. Like, uh, he's a fighter. Yeah. Uh, so, I hope uh, he does well. And I wish the Indian team all the best. So, uh, just uh, on a side note, uh, I was reading a lot about, uh, on the net, about the Rohit Sharma, Kohli thing. But I believe none of that is actually true, right? Like, there is nothing. Because nope. it, it didn't seem anything from the press conference. It seemed like everything was in place. I don't know how it even came to light. But uh, I don't know if you encountered it or was it only me. But I did uh, kind of uh, see these, uh, like you said, planted. Plants or whatever they're called. And uh, yeah. So 
Yeah, I mean, uh, just just looking at Rohit Sharma and how he is and how Virat Kohli is, I don't think there's any issue. It's one of those classic might have been leaks here and there, but obviously things like this are prime ripe fodder for Twitter. So, you know, it's always hashtag Kohli versus Rohit and blah 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 and blah. I did look at some of the stuff, but you know, I'm not I'm really not worried about them not get, getting along with each other because I don't think there's anything between them. Because remember when Kohli made the statement about stepping down from T20 captaincy, he mentions Rohit Sharma in person in that statement and said, hey, Rohit Sharma will be a good leader. He didn't say, he didn't come out and say, I recommend him as the captain, but I mean, he did not, he need not have said it. It was obvious. I don't think there's anything between them. It's just a storm in a teacup. Uh, I, I, I also 100% believe that, uh, especially after the press conference from Kohli. Yeah. But then uh, this was something I read online, so I just thought I'll uh, ask you anyways. Very, very interesting to see what happens uh, with Virat Kohli now that he's uh, seen now as an anti-establishment guy. So let's see what happens. I'm really excited in that sense. Hope the best happens for the Indian cricket team. So I, I think that's what that's what we can uh, uh, hope for is uh, the playing doesn't get affected, right? Which brings us to the next big topic that's going around in the world of sports right now which is all of the rise in covid cases we are seeing in uh, the uk the omicron virus is uh, rampant right now they're seeing daily record highs uh, with the number of cases manchester united's game with brentford got postponed last week the clubs have been asking the league to maybe hold off on one week's round of matches but looks like the premier league is staying put and saying that we are going to have as many matches as we can, as we possibly can. Uh, in America, we are seeing a lot of COVID cases amongst the teams. My Chicago Bulls, they've had a they've had a game postponed because literally more 50% of the roster have been put under COVID protocols. NFL has been seeing huge number of cases. The Chicago Bears, I was reading or I was listening to somebody say that their whole coaching staff, except for the head coach, are, are now under COVID protocols, which means none of them can coach, which is kind of interesting to see what happens on that front. They've already postponed a few games from Sunday to Monday. COVID has been everywhere. Uh, we, we spoke about how uh, Novak possibly did not get the vaccine and how he might not play. Looks like he's going to play now. So it's rampant right now. Uh, looks like Emma Radakanu tested positive and she'll miss, she's going to miss uh, the exhibition match in Abu Dhabi. So... Sports, as we discussed with Amit Verma, is a reflection of a society. It's downstream from society. So we'll, it's 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 been what's going on around the world, and it's a little surprise that COVID is now everywhere in sports. Which only tells us that folks, we gotta be careful. Because if you're seeing the high-profile folks get it, uh, it is rampant and it is a part of our society. Like you said, I I can't do a better job than summarizing what you did. Apart from adding to the fact that uh, even Spurs had like a major uh, Tottenham Hotspur, when I, I should be more precise. Yeah. Uh, in the, <laughs> Premier League uh, had a lot of COVID cases in their team again. So Leicester City versus Spurs game has also been postponed. And uh, what I read now is Brighton uh, and United at Old Trafford. That yeah. game has also been postponed due to staff and players contracting COVID. So, this is a big deal. We've seen this happen before. I don't know. I, I, I believe Premier League should... Uh, just an opinion, personal opinion. Uh, the Premier League should put a halt onto all this. Uh, but then, uh, Moolah, baby. So, there's a lot of That's uh, right. money. There's a lot of money involved here. It, it affects clubs directly. Uh, but then, uh, someone should study this. Like, uh, the cost to club versus cost to country, right? Because the it's also your healthcare system is taking a toll. Like... How does this work? It's an interesting uh, study, I guess. Just to add one more point with the Australian Open is that Australian Open, which was uh, the Australian tennis, initially said they had this strict policy. Now they have put a panel of three doctors uh, in the field, from one from the field of immunology, one from infectious disease and general practice. And uh, they're going to take uh, petitions for uh, not having a vaccine. Uh, and take it on a case-by-case basis. So, that gives some hope for Novak Djokovic uh, to come into this Austin Open. So, we'll see how that goes. We'll follow that for you guys. That is assuming that Djokovic is not vaccinated. I mean, uh, yeah, I should have stated that up front. I mean, we discussed this earlier in the previous yeah. episode as well. Uh, but, because uh, he's, he's not uh, come out and stated he's not vaccinated. But, uh, he's not come out and said he's vaccinated either. So, uh, well, that's where we stand. 
and that's the covid cases got them in sports which is yeah, very yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens because now the the teams are put in a very tricky situation because sometimes they've have they're having to field you know second string third string players uh because their main players are either exposed to covid or uh, are positively covid so uh it'll be interesting to see what happens on that front because it looks like none of the leagues the NFL the N- the NBA looks like they're postponing games here and there the premier league is trying to play as many as possible the NFL is doing here and there but the intention of all of these major leagues is to conduct or to carry on with as many games as possible so so because they've already i mean i can see their perspective as well because remember they have had four five months of break and they lost a lot of money that year uh, and we had to play fewer games they lost a lot of tv money then it's now they're now at a point of making up all this money and schedules and whatnot so it'll be interesting to see what happens but man as you said covid is still here to stay it's not over yet yeah and and uh, the unfortunate situation is uh, we've been in a similar situation before right so this is uh, now the second time things like this are happening and we only hope we learn from our previous mistakes because someone who hasn't learned from history is bound to repeat the same uh, stupid mistakes they've made earlier so i don't know gotta we should talk about this more in detail i have so much more to add uh, about yeah. this whole uh, money versus should you play should you not cuz like you said it's been extremely brutal on these sporting franchises in general like there's been tons of 11 year olds uh, including uh, my club barcelona which i mean it was not only covid that rose to the ground but that was also also was a major factor that uh, played a role in is like not having uh, what do you call fans in the stadium there was no revenue coming in so it's interesting let's uh, let's track what's happening here and let's hope uh, things uh, work out but uh, one thing we know for sure right now is vaccination is the way to go like uh, these cases are there they are mild yeah uh, the only danger though of playing in my head is that cuz covid typically takes and there's an onset period right so you don't detect it immediately when mm-hmm. you contract it so there is always this danger that you send your players onto the field where they are in that transitionary period and then you know, all of these sports are contact sports you know so there is no, uh, one sport this none of the sports we've spoken about so far are not contact barring tennis maybe uh but uh, and then you have this danger of uh, not diagnosing and you're contracting can't other players so it's a tricky situation we'll keep an eye out on how folks uh, deal with this i i don't think i can add anything to what you just said i think moving on we should move on from this depressing topic to something some some brighter stuff uh, which is our prime topic as i guess they call it the the show stopper for this podcast which is uh the world of formula 1 the champ the, the the championship season or sorry the formula 1 season has just ended with the abu dhabi grand prix uh, race number 22 things went down aniket i i still what this is going to be one of my biggest regrets in my life that i did not watch this race live i caught this after the fact even then i was so excited i can only imagine how watching this race live was like for you just lay some context for us and uh, mo- uh, tell us what happened getting into the final race of the season spoiler alert guys max was tap and won in the final lap but please tell us what happened please lay some context and then we'll kind of break the race down yeah i also want to add to one of our three listeners who commented saying formula 1 please on youtube <laughs> <laughs> folks uh, here we go so here we're talking formula 1 and we're going to try and summarize what actually happened in what i can only call is a crazy formula 1 season so just to lay the context post covid this was like a full complete season that we had so last previous season was cut short and we had like got to mention uh, 22 races that uh, took place over the years and going into the final race max verstappen and lewis hamilton were both tied on 369.5 points and the interesting point 5 comes from one courtesy half race that they had where they just followed a, a safety car along and everyone got like half the points just for like it was like the consolation prize we get in school like you know <laughs> year after year after third but they have to give you something so which would have happened again in this race yeah and this is where uh, things in formula 1 start looking uh, 
I don't know how gray. to call it gray. Yeah, right. They start looking gray. So again, just to lay the context. So the final race is at Abu Dhabi. Uh, both the drivers who are competing for the World's Driver Championship are at three hundred and sixty-nine point five. The constructors' championship was won by Mercedes pretty comfortably, so they won uh, the constructors' title. Going into this race, the season that prior to Abu Dhabi race was very exciting because there was some crazy wheel-to-wheel racing uh, between Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton, especially. Both of them cr- clashed numerous times. Uh, we, I think, we all would remember the fifty-one G shunt at Silverstone that Max got, which and I the cops call. Corner. Yep, which By I would way, I call... watched that replay live again, Aniket. I saw a replay in real time as to how quickly he was going and hitting the barrier. It was kind of insane how uh, what the impact, what impact Verstappen you know, stuck that barrier. Racing incidents. What the stewards will think of that. Could, is- could Hamilton have done anything to give Max Verstappen room there and avoid that crash? He was on the inside, of course. Yeah. Was there a bit more room to the right that Hamilton should have been finding? So, uh, 51 Gs, just for our uh, audience, uh, just to put context to what's actually happening. So, if your head weighs 10 pounds uh, with a 51 G impact, it's 51 times 10. So, you're actually going to have 510 pounds or 510 uh, kgs. If you're using kgs units, uh, is the weight you're going to feel on your shoulders. So, that's kind of the impact the driver had, and you could actually. Listen to him like breathe after the impact when he stepped out. You could see him huffing, catching his breath. So that was crazy. And in my opinion, I had opinions here today. Uh, that was a proper racing incident. You know, uh, I don't think I think both had uh, both the drivers uh, were at fault or both were not at fault. Uh, it was that kind of a situation. From there, uh, after that, we went to the Italian Grand Prix, which followed on. Where uh, Lewis and Max uh, were uh, basically on the cars were on top of each other, right? So Max is—I don't know if you remember Gotham, but uh, Lewis Lewis Hamilton comes out of the pit and then uh, he just comes ahead of Max Verstappen, and then over the next corner you see Max's car on top of Lewis. And, and there's Max Verstappen right behind Hamilton into the first chicane once again. It's wheel to wheel. Hamilton and Verstappen, oh. and this time Verstappen and Hamilton have crashed out. And they Which is pretty dangerous because you can see the tire actually hitting Lewis's helmet and stuff like that. So uh, there was some crazy uh, driving going on through the season, and that basically uh, took us to the Saudi Arabia race, which was the penultimate uh, race of the year. And Max Verstappen was leading on points. So and Lewis Hamilton was uh, coming from the the back. So with Max Verstappen leading at the again, there was so much drama here. Where uh, Max was uh, in the qualifier, if you remember, Max Verstappen was almost on the lap of his life uh, for that qualifier because Lewis was on provisional pole, which means yes. that in the lap he for the lap he had done, he had the yeah. best time, and then Max Verstappen was uh, going for his hot lap, and he had set crazy times for both sector one and sector two, and he all he was one corner away. Uh, from the checkered flag, as they call it, uh, the end of the race, and he just hits the wall and he loses his uh, qualifier. So he starts P two. With that being said, uh, Max is in the lead uh, in the race, so he starts from second, but he takes the lead pretty quickly. So one thing I think you would agree is Max Verstappen is a crazy aggressive driver, and if you if you love him, you would love him for his. Aggressive driving, uh, his style of driving, which is which we'll talk a little bit more about in the coming season. So there was controversies of him brake testing Lewis because they again touched. Oh, oh they touched and they collided. What is going on here in Jeddah tonight? He just brake tested me there. So I didn't know what's going on. It was just dangerous driving, dude. It's crazy. Lewis Hamilton wins, and then. We we head to Abu Dhabi with both these folks being on level points, right? So there's a, a whole championship that's at stake. And the one thing to remember here is that going into the race, they were tied for points. So whoever finishes ahead of the other wins. Or if if both of them crash out, Verstappen would have still won, right? So Hamilton had to be a little conservative because Verstappen had more number of uh, wins than wins than Hamilton, correct? That's exactly so. Uh, going into this race, if something happened and either both of them got out or Hamilton got out of the race, uh, it would be Verstappen's uh, t- 
title because he had more wins compared to Hamilton. Verstappen had nine wins prior to the final, whereas Hamilton had eight. And one thing I want to add in this is going into this, you've got to say both these drivers actually deserved this 100%. Because Max Verstappen, every race he finished, has finished either one or two. So yep. that is that is mind-boggling. I mean, for a guy uh, who's going for his debut world championship, who's racing a seven-time world champion uh, in a lot of books, an all-time great, who's going for his eighth world championship. So it was... Also, remember the stakes that are involved, right? Verstappen uh, was going for his maiden title and uh, Hamilton... Is if he wins this eighth, he passes Schumacher, correct? So yeah, is definitely now establishes the legacy of him being the greatest driver ever had he won uh, this season's championship. Right, and uh, so yeah, the stakes couldn't have been higher going into this race, and uh, coming into this race, uh, it seemed okay. Like Max Verstappen started front, Lewis Hamilton took a very clear lead. Uh, great start the, great start from Hamilton off the blocks what a start and then he takes a lead and everything is going okay right so there's nothing happening you're wondering oh this is going to so just to but give there context was this, to there was this one incident though, right Aniket when Verstappen um, I think it was probably in the first lap or I don't remember exactly which lap it was when Verstappen was trying to overtake Lewis uh, but he, uh, Hamilton had to go wide and he kind of cut some corners and went straight ahead. So, uh, looks like uh, Verstappen was uh, was following the right rules. He was on the road and within those white uh, line markers when he was trying to overtake. So, I don't think there was any discrepancy there. But it looks like Hamilton went wide and he kind of cut corners and even got a bigger lead than before. They did investigate that during the race and said no investigation, no further investigation necessary. So that was kind of interesting. You could see, you could hear Verstappen saying, "Oh, obviously, of course, they, I got the ruling against me." Yeah, for sure. And uh, that uh, so that happened very early on in the race where Lewis, uh, in uh, this is not my words, these are his words, in his words, uh, was kind of forced out. Because uh, yeah. he was, he like you said, he couldn't have uh, had contact. If he had contact in this race, the race was done. Like, I mean, uh, right. there was no, the, the game, the race, the game was over for him. So he was super conservative and uh, that, that might be his words. Uh, again, to add some uh, background is, in 2019, when we had the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, uh, Max Verstappen was absolutely dominant. Like, he uh, dominated and he was the winner of the uh, previous Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. And there were there was so much talk about how that same thing would happen this time. But then it was also the, the other side of the story was that Mercedes had a much superior car for this uh, particular track because they had also just... Uh, Lewis Hamilton strategically got a new engine and stuff like that. So yeah, uh, there was a lot of this uh, thing going on where the scale was swinging at different factors for uh, different uh, team, either Red Bull or Mercedes. Everything goes... At least uh, you can add more to this, uh, Gotham, but up to lap 53, yeah. right? So it's even before that, lap. Aniket, yeah. go, uh, go sorry to interject. So even before that... Every, everybody, both Hamilton and Verstappen were going for a one-stop one pit strategy, right? Uh, so they took their one-stop pit strategy and when Verstappen came out of the pits, Hamilton already pitted. So Hamilton was out front. Uh, Checo Perez, Sergio Perez was behind him. And then Verstappen had about, what, eight and a half to nine seconds behind uh, Hamilton. So he was quite far away because he just pitted. Uh, and this is where I think uh, Verstappen's teammate came into play because Hamilton and Perez were going at each other for what, good five to six laps there? Perez playing the ultimate team game here for Max Verstappen. And this is really frustrating Lewis Hamilton. It's going to be hurting his tyres. And he can give his teammate a bit of DRS for good measure. So great team play. Basically, Red Bull threw everything at this to make Max Verstappen, uh, at least, I would say make him win, but enable him to compete and win this. And Checo, Sergio Perez did some crazy uh, defensive driving to actually uh, push Hamilton back. So the whole strategy was that when you hit apexes, which are the corners, you, those are the places you want to slow down and not give the uh, competitor a place to overtake you. 
and he was doing this strategically so to reduce the gap between hamilton and verstappen actually so he really backed hamilton uh, out and the time significantly decreased uh, between max and uh, lewis uh, thanks to checo he he backed him up to a point where uh, so much that when hamilton finally overtook perez Verstappen uh, was literally right behind Perez so it was i think about 1 and a half to 2 seconds gap now between Hamilton and Verstappen even from 1 from P1 to P3 so he managed to reduce that 8.5 second gap by about 6 6 and a half seconds and and then Perez let let Verstappen through with but at the same time also giving him DRS so everything he couldn't have done anything better than that as a teammate for sure and just to uh add to this this was the second time perez was helping out max verstappen in abu dhabi the first time was in the qualifiers so he gave max a crazy tow which is also called a slipstream so he drove ahead of max and then just killed his lap he just moved away uh basically setting no time so that max could actually use the slipstream and set the fastest lap so this is the beauty of the sport again right like there is a lot of tactics team play uh it's 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 very interesting remember how we spoke about uh, rubens barrichello or for michael schumacher uh we briefly spoke about nico rosberg who was not a good teammate i think for hamilton because they were going for the championship uh at mercedes uh, all those years ago but you need a very good teammate to win a championship uh, like this so i think uh, as uh, to uh, max verstappen's words checo is a legend for him for sure and uh, he also says he couldn't have done it without checo right and i think which is true it's not an exaggeration uh, that this would not have been possible with uh, some of crazy defensive driving and uh, even sergio perez came out saying like he does he wouldn't have preferred interfering in someone's title challenge but he did it for his team right yeah. and he says hamilton will understand like uh it's my team and i got to do what i got to do for my team so th- there was like this beautiful sportsmanship spirit also uh coming out uh from these folks so we moved to the 53rd lap right so it's a 58 lap race and hamilton in this lap is on 38 uh lap old hard tires whereas max verstappen is on 18 lap old hard tires and there is 11 second gap between max verstappen yeah. and uh, hamilton with hamilton in the lead so 11 seconds is pretty convincing at least in my book so hamilton's up for the win with five laps remaining and nicolas latifi hits the barriers right so this williams team crashes yeah. and then with five laps to go we have the safety car called out and from here onwards it's a shit show gotham <laughs> at least <laughs> it is i mean that's my i was waiting cuz between us i haven't spoken to you about this so there was there was absolute radio silence like i didn't speak to you about this you didn't cuz i think both of us were waiting to talk about this live on the podcast yeah but after this point and after the race you said how did you feel watching it live i was pissed like this was one of those things you experience you're like you're for sure seeing once in a lifetime race you know yeah. that But then when you come out of that pissed and not I'm not pissed so I want to set the record straight I'm not pissed cuz Max won right he right. like I said he deserved it yeah uh, he was top 2 every race he finished he's insane his driving is next to what people can only say Ayrton Senna and Michael Schumacher the kind of an aggressive driver that he is but what followed from here just broke my heart and i say this you know lightly but after this it was kind of wrestling WWE kind of a script yeah Uh, did, should we go ahead and give <laughs> our listeners a context to why we are ranting Gautam yeah, yeah. I am ranting so with five laps to go the safety car is called out so when the safety car uh, is called out Gautam there is no overtaking that happens right so you are you just follow this train or a chain of cars and you are going around until, until the debris the, is cleared yeah exactly until the debris is cleared so hamilton at this situation so this is hamilton situation is he cannot pit under the safety car because if he does he loses track position to max verstappen so uh, you can't overtake but you lose track position so if he pits yeah. max verstappen is one he's two with five laps to go it seemed like the race would finish under a safety car so mercedes were like we cannot do this right but Which max verstappen 
Yeah, and Max Verstappen had nothing to lose because he was number two and he goes in, gets a soft tire and he comes out uh, with five cars between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen. And okay. these, five car- these five cars between them are cars that have been lapped by Max Verstappen. So they are one lap behind where Max yeah. Verstappen and Hamilton are. And typically in situations like this, the standard operating procedure, which has been put into the dustbin after this race is that you let these cars which have been overlapped unlap themselves so these cars would actually go and join uh, at the tail of the train so that the first and second car are right beside each other and after that you have the safety car will do one more lap and go into the pit and then your race restarts right so this is standard operating procedure what i just described here so with five laps to go Uh, The safety car is called and they're under the safety car for three laps, right? So the debris is not being cleared. It's the 56th lap of a 58 lap race. So at the 56th lap, the race center, right? Race control uh, says lapped cars will not be allowed to unlap themselves. So basically this gap between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen, the five cars between them will stay. These cars will not get out of the way. Which means that if the race restarts with those five lapped cars between uh, Hamilton and Verstappen, Verstappen has to go past. I mean, the, they will when the race restarts, the lapped cars typically let him pass, but then that means he would lose valuable time. And if there's only one or two laps left, the losing of one second here and a half second there is quite significant, right? So Verstappen stood no chance if the lapped cars were between Hamilton and himself. For sure. So you said it very well, like uh, these lap cars would be shown a blue flag, which means they have to let the car behind them go. That would happen. That would still be detrimental to Max Verstappen's race because a couple of seconds can make all the difference. And Lewis would actually just fly because he had yeah. nothing in front of him. So that was the situation you were seeing in lap 56. Tell us what happened when there was one lap to go. <laughs> right. So then you go to lap 57. Now the race control says these five cars between Max and Lewis Hamilton can unlap themselves. And Out of this the blue. Is, yes, and this is super strange. So this article 48.12 uh, in the sporting regulation says that all cars have to unlap themselves. And here, five cars between the leader and the second person were told to unlap themselves. So that was like the first discrepancy. I'm not saying, I'm, I'm giving the matter of fact here. I'm not saying what is right, what is wrong. But this is what actually happened. Like only five cars out of the whole uh, 18 or whatever were left were asked to unlap themselves. Okay, so this happened. So once these cars unlap themselves, uh, the next protocol is that the safety car will return to the pit. So once the safety car is told to return to the pit, it will return in the following lap. Yes. So we are in the 58th, 57th lap. So if you say the following lap, it means the race is over under safety car. The race director, Michael Massey, out of nowhere, he's like, okay, get out of the way. So not only the lapped cars are allowed to unlap themselves and go past uh, Hamilton, but also the safety car is asked to go in, not in the next lap, but on the same lap. Right. As the cars are unlapping themselves, immediately there is an indication that the safety car is also ending. These two points are problematic, right? This is what the world is debating. Like, can you do this? Can you say five cars, get out of the way? Now, uh, Red Bull, uh, Christian Horner, actually, you can hear him talk to Michael Massey on the radio saying... Christian to Michael. Yes, go ahead, Christian. Yeah, why, why, why aren't we getting these lap cars out of the way? Just give me a second, okay? My main big one is to get this uh, incident clear. You only need one racing lap. A team in the race should not be able to contact the race uh, control or race director to lobby for shit like this. No, don't say that. It's more fun and drama when we're listening to it live. It definitely is. But, I mean, I see a direct correlation between what has uh, happened now. We haven't haven't completed what has happened. So, let's uh, maybe get there. So, just like Gotham said, uh, this call comes in to uh, the race director saying, let us race. I have no problem with that. The problem is the situation is changed such that Max Verstappen is on a one lap old soft tire and Lewis Hamilton is on a 39 lap old hard tire case. So the pendulum has just swung towards Max Verstappen's tire, which in my book is fair, right? This happens in sport. 
But the problem is it's been swung after bending a couple of rules. Yeah. And the uh, stewards for Mercedes's appeal say that Article 48.13, right, which is the subsequent article of 48.12, which you spoke about earlier, it basically comes to uh, summarize that uh, the race director is kind of supreme. Like, uh. you know, he... You know, he makes these judgment calls or oh, I'm paraphrasing here. These are not the words, right. but I don't have them written here. But maybe I'm going to recommend something that talks about this in detail. So the listeners can go and watch it in more detail. And I'm pretty sure they'll do a better job than what we're doing here. So now this is what happens. The safety car is called off and they say go. We right? have one lap to go. With one lap to go. And I, I was not surprised, right? And uh, you can hear Hamilton worry on the radio. Yeah. He's like... He's like, where is he? Is he right behind me? <laughs> yeah, Exactly. And uh, Bono is like, uh, he is not, but he will be, Lewis. <laughs> so it's uh, pretty interesting. After this, what happens, I think the world knows is Max, to his credit, uh, does this crazy, uh, aggressive move on uh, Lewis Hamilton, I think in turn nine. At the first opportunity that he had. And he had. And I was so surprised that Lewis was so far of giving Max so much space. I don't think Lewis expected Max to no. make a pass there. And Max being the aggressive uh, guy he is, took the opportunity head on and just uh, made it stick. It's Verstappen, far enough back. He's going to make the lunge down the inside. Hamilton sees him coming. It's a late lunge by Verstappen, who takes the lead of the race. Verstappen now snatches the championship trophy from Lewis Hamilton, who's trying to fight back. Hamilton does have a couple of more chances to overtake him, doesn't he? He does. Unfortunately, he can't make any of those stick, right? And I say unfortunately not because I'm rooting for Hamilton, but just that I think everyone likes crazy racing. When you're racing wheel to wheel, you want to see them uh, go at it, especially with one lap left. So I was hoping there would be a little bit more in there somewhere, like, you know, uh, back and forth, a little bit switching. But I I see it's not possible because just because of the uh, tire degradation that Hamilton has had. I mean, Hamilton still tried. He almost went past uh, Verstappen. I think it's it was this final overtaking uh, try when he tried to. He had a slipstream going for him. He, they almost touched. They almost went past. But Max somehow holds on and finishes that corner ahead of Hamilton. And then once he finished that, it was just he was off to the races and it was pretty much done. You could even see Hamilton was like, okay, this is probably done. He could. He was. He gave up. I think with about four or five corners to go. One thing I must say about Hamilton is, like you said, he tried getting back. That dude is relentless. He is. He does not stop. And I love that about his attitude. As aggressive as Max is in his driving. And I think Max is so aggressive that it has made Lewis change his driving style a little bit to be equally aggressive and come out like he did in Brazil and uh, in the previous uh, races that we saw. And, and you can also see in real time, which is which is why we should actually give props to the Sky Sports team. Uh, in real time, you could see as soon as Max overtakes Hamilton, you could see Toto on the radio immediately say, thinking, no, no, Mike, that was so not right. You need to reinstate the lap before. That's not right. Toto? Yes. It's called a motor race, okay? Uh, to a very sophisticated sport, there are rules for a reason. <laughs> you just can't say, hey, because, because this is... Uh, the final race of the season. This is what the stakes are. We are just going to let the motor race because if we if we said that there there would there wouldn't be any place for the rule book anymore. So we've spoken about how Max won this brilliant championship battle, but the championship can only be won by one, and it's going Dutch in 2021. Max Verstappen, for the first time ever, is champion of the world. Lewis Hamilton. Finishes in second place after leading for so, so long. Oh, my Lord, Max! Oh, my God! Oh, my God! Oh, my God! Now, I have not got your thoughts on this, right? Because we haven't spoken. So, uh, shoot, like, what did you think about the race yeah, after so you saw? What, was your, what are your thoughts? Dramatic, dramatic race. But yeah, I, I must say I agree with you. As much as I was rooting for Verstappen because it's kind of boring now to see Hamilton win time and time again. It's always great to see the underdog win. It did seem very unfair to lose Hamilton. You have to be gutted if you're Lewis Hamilton. There's no question, I think, that the rules were bent. Very, very... I think... what I, I, I'm going to ask you this, Aniket. What, how, how do you think 
Mike Massey fared this season. He was in the spotlight quite a bit. I'm going to be honest, I felt immediately after the incident happened that the race I should have done was put a red flag. Right. And and the reason is, yes, nothing serious happened. Red flag is only for serious. But if you want to race anyways, there is no more fair a condition to start a race in the with like two three laps to go then a red flag because then hamilton gets to go back to the pits as well Correct. get a new pair of tires so does max and you start from the grid so you basically have a two lap sprint race or a one yeah, lap and also once the red flag comes in you don't count the laps anymore right exactly so this might if you had to race this should have at least been an option that you should have thought about is like, you know, send everyone into the pits, start fresh, the most fair way. But the way the race director made the decision, it just left a poor taste in my mouth. And to summarize, I think he did poorly this season. Yeah, I mean, it definitely uh, looked a little gimmicky to me uh, that they were trying to add or force drama into the race deliberately, which was kind of you know, it did seem fair. I think, if, I mean, Toto Wolff said he wasn't sure if Lewis Hamilton was going to come back next year after what happened. I think, which is a little exaggerated. It's their the emotions were running high. There's uh, Hamilton, I think, will be raring to come back next year with rule changes and he will be ready to get the championship back from Verstappen. I think it, we are only going to see a more aggressive, a more uh, single minded Lewis Hamilton coming back. So it'll be great to see. But as far as the legacy of the of the race goes, uh, do you think, I mean, no, when we did the Lewis Hamilton episode, def- by the way, definitely, guys, go check the Lewis Hamilton episode out that we did after he won his 100th race. Uh, remember how he won his first championship off of uh, Felipe Massa, and which was rain-affected in Brazil and... At Interlagos, yep. At Interlagos, yeah. Uh, and then uh, it was very, very, very dramatic. Uh We've seen other few uh, other close finishes to the season. Where do you rank this finish? Even though it left a sour taste in your mouth. So, uh, that's a tough question, Gautam. Uh, I would prefer a situation like Interlagos over this. Because that was like weather, tactics. So, with that being said, I would would say Max Verstappen deserved to win. But yeah. he deserved to win in a classier way. Like that's my uh, that's uh, my objection to this win. Uh, if I might say it that way, is that and, and, he and deserves? Max, yeah, and Max Verstappen's team and Red Bull would would say, look, we've we did not have any kind of luck at all going for us throughout the season. Uh, we had to take the luck that we got. Uh, we got. Uh, they would they would argue that they got unnecessary penalties, un- undeserving penalties, uh, hard done by by Lewis Hamilton in, uh, in 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 Silverstone and 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 all of that stuff. So it is a game of it is a game of, sec- of microseconds and micro inches. It's, the sport is that way, but but yeah, it definitely seemed a little unfair. I would I would agree with you. I think uh, uh, there have been more fairer dramatic finishes to the season than this. And. Uh- in all honesty, if I was in Max position, I would take the win too. Oh, yeah. Right? Uh, I mean, uh, we are not debating that. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, it is a win. He takes the win. He didn't do anything wrong. So the point here is uh, neither racers did anything wrong, right? That's the no. neat. It was the uh, people, the management or the race director who actually uh, messed up. So that's what made this uh, really sad. And yeah, both could, the drivers, you could, you could actually hear Lewis Hamilton on the radio say, "Hey, this seems manipulated, man. This is very manipulated." Yeah, yeah. He, and I, I don't blame him. I mean, because he had his hands like David Croft said it on the trophy, at least one and a half of them. Yeah. So it was, it was taken away from him, which is uh, sad. But we'll see how he comes back. Because uh, year twenty twenty two has a new car, mm-hmm. new regulations. So the I, I think we have spoken about this earlier as well is that uh, overtaking, which is difficult now uh, in the upper, in the current cars, is going to be easier. So cars are going to follow much closer. You they're expected the uh, teams that are not faring very well to give a slightly more fight. So the field's going to be open, especially with young drivers like George Russell, Lando yep. Norris coming in. Because let's not forget, apart from Lewis and Max. There were some uh, crazy races the, uh, this year because we had Esteban Ocon winning. We had Daniel Ricciardo coming back, taking a win in Italy. We had Lando Norris lose uh, in Italy 
extremely tragically and yeah. this was again one of those wet uh, yeah. weather uh, calls that he made so it has been a crazy season to actually uh, summarize so i think it's very season- hard to it's very hard to uh, r- r- repeat a season like this because it had so much drama but it at least if it has at least half next season has at least half the drama of this season i will take it honestly because this season was kind of one of those outliers i feel like because there's so much drama going on everywhere uh but it will be great to see the new cars new people coming in uh it's only 90 days to go man so 3 months we won't be talking about formula 1 in the next 3 months so we'll see what happens there but uh i'm really looking forward to the next season this is our christmas gift to the three people who listen to us <laughs> right <laughs> uh, do yeah. you have anything else to add on the formula 1 part aniket for some reason i felt and this is a feeling but there was more uh, sadness over the driver losing the world championship than actually winning the constructors championship right oh yeah uh, for sure for sure and it felt weird cuz uh, that is a competition in itself and yeah. red bull celebrated as if they won the constructors championship while they didn't and mercedes was sad that lewis hamilton lost in spite of actually winning the constructors championship Yeah I mean that just tells you that the drivers championship is definitely much more highly regarded than the constructors constructors is important but it's definitely second in line to the drivers championship so yeah. we'll see uh, as i said i'm really looking forward to the next season uh, mercedes for their part did protest uh, red bulls win and they lost the appeal and then they finally said congratulations to max verstappen so i think overall they handled it quite classily they did all they could to appeal protest at the end of the day you know it's a sport uh it is what it is fia made those regulations they did not follow it but then this they are the governing body and they'll do what they want at this time so uh definitely looking forward to the next season so just to conclude this uh gautam so like you said mercedes appealed that they withdrew their appeal they came out with a very classy statement so fia yeah. has put in a, a panel to investigate this and uh, mercedes uh say that uh, they go they are going to do everything to help FIA make this sport a better sport so and they are going to follow up and a quote and quote they say we are going to hold FIA accountable right so yeah. they are going to uh, follow up on this so that's a good part uh, i would i also cannot not say this uh, lewis hamilton handled this with so much class like there was just so much class in the way uh, especially after what happened and how it went down uh, he was just super uh, classy about it so uh, shout out to lewis hamilton and we must add this was the final year of the hamilton bottas uh, pairing which uh, i don't know how i feel cuz bottas was absolutely useless in this race like hamilton could have definitely <laughs> done with a teammate yeah. yeah could have definitely done with a teammate and our man was trailing somewhere at the back yeah. with a mercedes car so it sucks but i mean more part to him he's going to uh, alfa romeo next season and yeah. he's going to be replaced by george russell so very exciting young british driver who's going to be alongside lewis hamilton so it'll be it'll be a great uh season coming up so antonio jonas is leaving this was his uh, conclu- concluding race he's not his contract has not been extended by alfa romeo and he's going to be replaced by the first chinese f1 driver uh zu jianyu zu kimi yeah. raikkonen's last race ended uh, pretty anticlimactic uh he basically couldn't finish his race and he says it doesn't matter Uh, typical Kimi. Kimi style yeah, yeah exactly uh, that's Kimi for you and uh, yeah that's about it i think uh, with that i think aniket we'll end with by the way we'll, we're going to do the ending a little differently with the, of the podcast we'll end with some football stuff but uh, let's give out uh, recommendations first so uh, my recommendation is uh, this article at uh, cnn uh, and it's basically about sebastian alvarez who is a Chilean F who was a Chilean Air Force pilot and now he flies with the wingsuit and uh, he did this uh, crazy uh, stuff again with Red Bull being sponsored where he actually jumps out an aircraft goes into a active volcano and comes out of it with a wingsuit so i just thought it was uh, fascinating and uh, crazy he seems to be like a crazy adrenaline junkie 
so i i find uh, adventure sports very interesting so i found that uh, uh, very nice to know and the other thing is we're going to put up a youtube link of uh, i think the youtube channel is called chain bear who basically talks about a lot of uh, f1 related stuff and uh, it's one of the good balanced uh, i say balanced in uh, air quotes because uh, it's tough to get a very balanced opinion on this rivalry between max and lewis cuz yeah. everyone's tilted one way or the other but he does a pretty decent job of summarizing what actually happened in the race and a lot of it was spoken uh, i have taken a lot from that as well to learn uh, what yeah. actually happened so these are my two recommendations for today uh, my recommendation is uh, sharda agra's article in the hindustan times about the whole virat kohli saurav ganguly captaincy saga i just want to read the, the last paragraph where she critiques saurav ganguly he says no matter she says no matter who said what and at what time and even deep, deeper disappointment lies under this there are crickets rare Uh, player president has let a fellow indian captain be treated in a manner that he himself fought against uh, it's a great critique great article she kind of lays the context and also uh, gives out her opinion as well so definitely check that out also check out uh, siddharth monga's piece who i really like as a writer on espn cricket for about uh, virat kohli's greatest gambit yet which is to take on the board and then my other recommendation is the formula 1 youtube channel formula 1 is a great content creator uh, you have to check their youtube channel out to see how much content they pump out especially for this race they have had they have radios live radios as the drivers happening live radios on the paddock split screen of the drivers split screen of the drivers talking to talking to the teams uh, just the race highlights you have so much content out there so definitely go check the youtube channel out and obviously our final our our, our final recommendation is news laundry go to newslaundry.com guys go hit that subscribe button please pay to keep news free uh, I, there is a christmas discount going right now i believe till the 26th or the 27th so check it out if you if you are listening to us for the first time we are hosted by a wonderful news critique website and also ground reporting website called newslaundry.com you can go to that website and hit that subscribe button we have a lot of podcasts ground reports uh, good articles as well so definitely go check it out and it's the holiday season so if you're planning to gift someone something gift them a subscription yes. to independent media because uh, the media needs you now more than ever i think uh, i we typically in this podcast don't go into the politics but uh, given the situation uh, i think the world is in i won't say uh, india and especially the the media situation in india i think we need uh, folks to step up and uh, fund independent media so that our voices are heard right it's uh, and uh, that's where democracy flourishes so guys go ahead buy yourself uh, subscriptions give subscriptions uh, make knowledge available to folks I hundred percent second that. Uh, shout out to David Croft and the whole Formula One commentary team. I think they 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 are a very very high level, high class. Uh, they set a very high standard for uh, a sports commentary as such. Anika, we should end with football, which which kind of uh, sad news with uh, Sergio Aguero having to retire from football because he had a heart condition and the doctors advised him not to play. So at the age of 33 he's decided to call it quits with a heavy heart. Uh it's extremely sad because he was such a phenomenal player and I think he's in anyone's book he's uh, there at least in the top 3 uh, just he he was a goal machine in yeah. my books and I was especially excited because he came to my club Barcelona uh, and I was hoping given the turmoil we are in we could definitely do with someone like uh, Sergio uh Kun Aguero leading our front line but uh I just wish him uh good health uh from here on uh and on another front uh Gotham so similar heart related stuff Inter Milan and Christian Eriksen so Christian Eriksen who with his Denmark team actually uh, unfortunately collapsed on the field due to a heart condition and he was revived by the doctors on field and then the doctors were also given uh i think a ufa president's award or something for their actions so he was uh, back and inter milan and krishna eriksen have mutually terminated their uh, contracts because seria a does not allow players with uh, heart starters that has been implanted in him so i don't know if he's back 
into playing fit conditions or what's actually happening but these are the grounds uh, he's been uh, he and inter milan decided to part ways on and it's very interesting the statement inter milan came out with is very nice actually it's in complete support and uh, of the time uh, he spent uh, helping them yeah. with the scudetto my 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 guess is that he is going to be back in some form for another club it might not be a bigger club but we'll see what happens but i hope it's barcelona Uh, so <laughs> we'll see what happens but yeah that's kind of sad but we we definitely going to watch christian eriksen play at some point i think but yeah definitely sad that aguero is not going to play anymore uh 175 appearances 74 goals for atletico 275 appearances 184 goals for city uh just four appearances for barcelona uh one goal he still scored for barcelona which is great uh, but uh we should leave our viewers with what is probably his brightest most dramatic his greatest moment on the field when he secured manchester city that dramatic final minute final second uh, goal against uh, queens park rangers all those years ago Maratelli, aguero i swear you'll never see anything like this ever again two goals in added time for manchester city to snatch the title away from Manchester United uh, which meant that they snatched the league off of Manchester United's hands one of the most dramatic ends to a premier league season ever so we will leave all of our listeners with that audio clip which only concludes my point that he's always scored when it matters so it does. no matter which club he's played for he's always scored when it matters So having said that we'll leave you with that wonderful uh, sound bite and until we talk to you again uh, take care everybody thank you aniket bye bye all the news laundry podcasts are available on stitcher itunes and any other podcast platform please subscribe to news laundry help us keep news independent to catch all our podcasts on news pop culture current affairs and sport visit newslaundry.com follow us on facebook twitter and instagram and subscribe to our youtube channel